Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. We're glad to see you guys made it out today. I'm going to start off by saying this. There is eight days until Valentine's Day. You're welcome. Just right there. I just saved some of you. Okay, eight days until Valentine's Day. And for some of you, you're like, you took away my excuse. You're right, I absolutely did. But hey, you picked a great week to be here. We're going to start a new series called Relationship Goals. And that's what we have, whether you're married or not. Many of you, you look at and you see somebody else, or you grow up and there was a relationship that you saw, and you're like, man, I would love that someday. You had ideas. Maybe you're married and you're like, yeah, you know, it would be great. And there's another, another couple that you see that you look up to and you think, man, I hope when we're old, we're like that. Um, every time I see old people holding hands, I just smile. I, I really do. I'm always like, oh, that's so fun. Um, my, we, we had some neighbors uh, kitty corner to us uh, for, for many, many, many years. And they were just, I mean, he had the thickest glasses that you have ever seen. They had to be at least a half inch, like make, made Coke bottles look thin. And they were just the cutest old couple. And they'd spent the whole day out in the garden. And he would pretty much sit there and move a little bit. And she would take care of the most of it. And, and he just called it. Every time I'd go over there, he called her love. And man, I, just, I just loved it. And we got the honor of getting to go to their, uh, their, one of their anniversary celebrations. It was their 70th anniversary. And I just had so much fun. And I just remember just looking and being like, I want to be that way. And Beck's like, oh, we will. Don't worry. Oh, we will. I'm like, okay, good, good, good. When we're old. And she's like, oh, yeah. But we all have these ideas, these goals that we have for our relationships. And so we're just going to look at some of these. And we're going to have some fun helping to reach and to achieve some of our, some of our relationship goals, specifically um, marriage and relationships. And my prayer is that through this series, that if you're married, that you will see God's design for marriage and what your role in it is meant to be. And that if you're not married, that you'll see what it takes to be married, see what you might need to be, and might, what a good person to look for should look like, what that should be. And if you're like, you know what, I just don't want to be married at all. Well, good, you can soak this up to give advice to others. That's, that's one thing. And then the other one is you can see what God has for you because you don't get to check out just because you're not going to get married and you decide, oh, I'm not happy being single. Well, great, then God has a special call for you as well. So today's title for today's message is this, His Way is Best. Some of you I made mad right then and there. You're like, I knew I shouldn't have come this week. This is no good. But hold on, hold on. Let me just say this. God designed marriage. God designed it. You look at the Garden of Eden, Adam, God made Adam perfect man. There is no sin anywhere. And God looked and said, everything is good. Except it is not good that man be alone. He's like, he needs some help. He needs some help right off the bat. God designed marriage. And then God went and said, I will make the perfect, the perfect helpmate, the perfect match for man. I will make woman. He said, in all of creation, there is nothing 
out there that does this, so I will make woman. God made woman. Man is made for woman, a perfect fit, and woman for man. We, it is perfect. That's what God designed. God made it so if we do it his way, we will get the best result. He made it. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he, he wasn't like, oh, Adam just has too many freedoms. What am I going to do about this? I know. I know it'll wipe a smile off his face. I'll give him a ball and chain. Here's where we go. No. It was not that at all. God made woman. He made it. So here's what we're going to do. Colossians 2.10. I want you to understand this, though. Colossians 2.10. The picture that the, picture that the world paints of marriage is bleak. But they paint, when you look at the picture that the world paints for singles, it's bleak as well. Here's, here's what the world says, is you can be single and lonely, or you can be married and bored. There you go. There's your choice. But that's not what God designed it to be. Not at all. Colossians 2.10 says this. So you are complete through your union with Christ. You're complete with your union through Christ. So here's what it is. You're not two halves walking around waiting to say, I have to find my other half and then I'll finally be complete. No. You're complete through your union with Christ. It's two complete pieces coming together. The Bible says that the two become one, not halves become whole. And if you're married and you're looking to your spouse to complete you, they will let you down, they will disappoint you, and you're not going to be happy, just plain and simple, because you're complete through your union with Christ. If you're single, you're complete. You're not missing anything. You are complete through your union with Christ. You're complete. And so there's some stuff that God has. You're single, great. God's got some special stuff for you. 1 Corinthians 7.32. I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. An unmarried, a single man can spend his time doing whatever he wants. Oh, wait, no, that's not what it says. The Lord's work. This is what we get to do. If you're single, you get to maximize your singleness and do the Lord's work and think how to please him, God. But a married man has to think of his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. His interests are divided in the same way a woman who is no longer married or who has never been married can be devoted to the Lord and holy in body and spirit. But a married woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities, how to please her husband. I'm saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. I want you to do whatever helps you to serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. If you're single, you've got a job. And it's not to look for a spouse. You maximize your singleness to serve the Lord. It's not to chase a career. It's not to chase after money. It's not to just run around like, well, I'll just do what I want, when I want, how I want, with who I want, with all that I want. No. You get to seek God in what you do, and you're singularly focused on that. Your interests are not divided. If that's the call that you have on your life, you're like, I don't, I don't feel I want to get married. You don't need to because we are complete through our union with Christ. And when you get married, what is it? It's two holes that become one. It's not two halves. It's two holes. We do this God's way. When you're single, let me just say, you will, it will never be easier to give of your finances. It will never be easier. I had coffee a while back with a friend of mine. He's single, has been. He's like, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. He's, he's in his 40s now. And he's like, well, I go, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm just serving God. He's like, we'll see where God leads me. 
And we had to, he's like, he said, I need to kind of apologize for having to reschedule coffee on you a few times. He's like, I felt like God wanted me to give my car away, so I did. So I'm, I'm, I'm without a car right now. And he's like, but I'm single, so it's easy. Like, he's like, I just pray about it. Yep, okay, that's what he's doing. I just do it. It will never be easier. It will never be easier to give of your finances, to give of your time. You're not waiting for something. If you are single, this is the time. Build in those habits. Build those habits of I seek the kingdom of God first and serve him with your, time, your finances at church and outreach and missions and with your energy and serve at church and with outreach and submissions and build the kingdom of God. It's not me time because I'm single. It's I get to serve God. Leverage what you have and where you are to build the kingdom. Leverage it to build the kingdom of God. And married, remember this, you can only look to God to complete you. I love Becca, but I can live without her. I don't want to, but I could. I'm complete through God. But if I put on her what only God can give me, she will do nothing but disappoint. I have to look to God to complete. And then I can fall in where I need to be and I can serve her. We need to look to God. Well, let me ask this. Where does, where does your idea of what marriage is supposed to look like come from? I'll throw out just, just, just some possibilities. Maybe, maybe your parents. Whether it was a single home, broken home, great home or bad home. Maybe there, right? Prob- probably some there. Maybe a relationship that you saw. I hear so often of people like, well, one of my good friends growing up, their parents just had an amazing marriage. That it wasn't that mom and dad, but they're like, man, a friend. Or maybe, maybe it's TV. It was um, several years ago, I ended up on some, uh, a jury. I got jury duty. Everybody's favorite. <laughs> but I was like, if I'm going to do it, I might as well have fun. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to love this. And I'm like, I'm sure I'll get some illustrations out of this for some messages. And I did. So here we are. So I'm in there. I'm like, we're going we're gonna to have some fun. So I'm sitting down there. And, and, and sure enough, I end up somehow on the jury panel. I did, there I was. So I'm like, okay, well, I said I wanted this, so here I am. And I end up on the jury panel. And they're like, okay. Before everybody comes in, and, and this particular time, like, you came, and then they're like, okay, we're going to get you guys ready in a couple minutes. Uh, this court is going to be in session, and you guys are just going to jump right in, and uh, we'll see when we get you out of here. I'm like, holy cow. So we're sitting there, and we'd gone through all of, all of the picking, and we need out who was going to be where, and they're like, all right, you're it. You're the final jury. And the clerk comes in, and he says, now, I need to address something. He's like, it's something that we call the CSI effect. And I'm just kind of like, what in the world? And he goes, there's so many CSI and crime movies that people watch that they come into this and they think that that's how a court of law works and that there's no crime that can ever be committed without DNA showing up and then like that, that investigators are going to find the one hair that was left behind or that... The sample of dirt off of a person's shoe will tell them exactly what region of the world that it came from because we know where all dirt and all the world came from. And he's going on, he goes, so you need to understand that's not how real 
world works. It's not like the movies. And he literally spent 20 minutes trying to tell us, like, okay, do not expect this courtroom, do not expect what you see on CSI to be happening in here. That's not real life. And I kind of just sat there thinking, oh my goodness. They have to combat TV in a courtroom because we just soak up information wherever we get it. We don't really, we're, we're kind of like sponges in the way that we don't just like get around a bad marriage or watch a bad something somewhere and just be like, oh, I'm just not going to soak that up. We can try, but we're kind of like a sponge that you put us around something and, and we're, we're going to end up soaking up something. Sometimes it's the stuff that we don't want. I think that's why when our, our spouses say, you're being just like your dad or mom, it just gets us the most. Because we're like, no, I am not. And like, see, that's exactly what your dad would do. <laughs> Dang it. Because even the things that we recognize as not right or that we didn't want to emulate, we so often find ourselves emulating the things that we did not want to. We find ourselves there because it's automatic. So let me ask, where did your idea of what marriage is supposed to look like, where did it come from? Let me just say this, if it looks like those soap operas and sitcoms and crap on TV, that's not what it's meant to be like. That is not it at all. If you go to acting school, you want to know what they tell you? They, they're like, okay, you've got to over-exaggerate. They're like, you've, you, if you're mad, you've got to just, you, you've got to look extra, extra mad and and it's not just your own mad face, but you've got you've to get your whole body into looking mad. And just, I'm so upset about the whole thing. You've you got to overexact so that people can understand what it is that you're feeling. You're not just like, oh, I'm mad. <laughs> Silent treatment for you. No. So we have to, so where is it that you're getting your idea of what marriage is supposed to look like, what your role in marriage is supposed to be? The Bible says this in Romans 12. It says, do not copy the behaviors and customs of this world. Our marriages are supposed to look different. They're not supposed to look like the world does. It's going to look different. And something about, about marriage that's so interesting as we look at the Bible is the absolute lack of instruction when it comes to how to pick someone to marry. Anybody else notice that? Like you look at the Bible and you're like, okay, how do I find a wife? And you look through the Bible like, well, it doesn't really say a whole lot. I mean, there's a couple examples in there. I mean, you could do what Isaac did. Abraham was like, I'll pick your, I'll pick your wife. There. Isaac's dad arranged marriage. Anybody think that's a good idea to bring back? I do. For my kids, I'm like, can I just arrange this? I am ready. I've already got some ideas. They're like, Dad. I'm like, I do. I think that would be good. But anyways. But that's what Isaac did. Abraham, Abraham sent his servant back over to his relatives. And the servant's like, um, whoever comes to this well first and offers to water me and the camels, she's the one. Somebody did, and they got married. Is that how I should do it? Should I dig a well? I'm looking through this stuff. I'm like, well, what? How, how do I do this? And then there's the example of Naomi and Ruth in the Bible. 
And that one, that one's a little weird. That one, you, you want, I'm going to read it to you because if I told you, you probably wouldn't believe me that it was in the Bible. But it's Ruth chapter 3. Now, Ruth is Naomi's daughter-in-law, but her son had already died. And, and Naomi says to Ruth one day, says this, my daughter, I must find a home for you where you will be provided for. Now, Boaz, whose women you have worked with, is our relative. Tonight, he will be win-win. Voice to text is horrible. Okay, he will be winnowing. Parley? Barley. Stink. Barley on the threshing floor. Stay with me. I'm just total squirreling on this. All right, on the threshing floor. So she says this, wash, put on some perfume, and get dressed in your best clothes. Now, so far, I think that's some pretty good advice. All right, wash, look good, dress nice, sounds good. Then go down to the threshing floor, but do not let him know that you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. She's like, don't go interrupt. Don't go jump in front of the, the, the big game and be like, I'm here. She's like, no, don't do that. I still think this is some pretty good advice. Okay, then she says this, when he lies down, note the place where he lays. Okay, it's going to be dark. They had lamps. They didn't have electricity. They didn't have street lights outside that are going to cast some light indoors. No, no, no. She's like, okay, it's going to be dark. So when he goes and lays down, you make sure you know where, where it is that he's laying. And then here it is. When he lies down, note the place where he's laying. Then go uncover his feet and lay down. And then she says this, he will tell you what to do. That's some dangerous advice. That's some very dangerous advice. I will never tell my daughters that. (laughs) Never. Some things, let me just tell you, some things in the Bible are descriptive of what happened. They're not prescriptive of what we should do. That is descriptive of what happened. And I'm like, that's not some advice that I would tell anybody to take. (laughs) Just go uncover, lie in bed with it. He'll tell you what to do. I bet he will. Like, no. So there's some stuff in there. When you look through the Bible, there's a bit like, what do I do? I remember, I'm like, what do I do? I remember having this conversation with my dad, and I'm like, oh, King David, and he prayed, and he's like, okay, what do we do? Here's the thing that we see in the Bible. The Bible is intentionally vague on how we find the one. But here's the reason why. Because any two Christians who are devoted to living for God can get married and have an amazing, amazing marriage. Man and a woman say, okay, God, I'm going to do marriage your way, and it can be great. Because there's not a one. There's not one that we find. Once you get married, you found one, and that's it. That's your one. You did it. They become your one. But there's not... There's not one that you're looking for. And I'll go, if I find just the perfect one, there is no perfect one. There's not. You choose the baggage, absolutely. You can look at someone and think, that's a lot of work. And it's going to be work. It's going to be, I guarantee it's going to be work. You're not so sure. 1 Corinthians 7.28 says this, but those who marry will face many troubles in this life. It doesn't say those who marry the wrong one. It doesn't say like, well, those who make choice B and really should have made choice A. No. It doesn't say those who marry. This is just, it's just plain and simple. You're going to have some trouble. So you didn't marry the wrong one. 
Don't, don't, don't look at your marriage and be like, well, that over there looks so much better. The grass is greener on the other side of the fence because that's where they water it and take care of it. Take care of your own and it'll be great there too. God's picture of marriage is this. We do it God's way. His way is best. And then it's not about who we marry. The criteria is so low. The Bible says you can marry whomever you will in the Lord. That you marry another believer and then you both serve God as you serve each other. That's how God says we're supposed to do it. That's how we're supposed to do it. And we find really this outline in Ephesians 5, Ephesians 5, 21. And it starts and it says this. And further, submit one to another out of reverence for Christ. So you start off with two equals. And it's out of reverence for Christ. It's two believers. The Bible says, do not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. So there's your criteria. Are they a believer? There it is. That's where it starts. I heard a woman say one time, she says, I knew I married Mr. Wright. I just didn't know his first name was always. <laughs> but what we start with is it's two believers. So mutual, it's two equals coming into marriage. Verse 22, and then it says, for wives, this means submit to your husband as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, Christ is the head of the church, his Savior, his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so wives should submit to your husbands in everything. And there are people who absolutely hate that. But understand this. Anything with two heads is a monster. And your marriage is the exact same way. Two of you fighting, that's no good. God's like, look, I'm going to settle it. There are two equals coming into this. But the husband is responsible. And he's going to be the head of the home. Because God made him one. So there it is. And if we do it God's way, it's best. It really is. And I know there's some marriages that are good where the husband just really hasn't done his job. He hasn't stood up and he hasn't led, so a woman has. And she's doing a great job because he's lacking. And you're like, but it's working there. And the answer is yes, it is, but I believe with all of my heart it'd be even better if they'd honor God and do it God's way, and he'd step up and into his role that God designed and made him for. He was made for it. Well, he's just a little bit more timid and shy. No, God made you for it. Dogs bark because they're dogs. God made you to lead. You can lead your home. You can lead your home. Lead it spiritually. That's what you were designed to do. Verse 25, for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved church. He gave himself he gave his life for her. So here's what it is. It's, it's, it's not a, I'm going to lord this over you. This isn't a go fetch my water. <laughs> that's, that's not what it is. Christ laid down his life for the church. So as, as the leader of my home, I get to lay down my life. I lay down my wants and my desires to serve my wife. This isn't a I need, it's a I serve. And I want us to read 1 Corinthians 7 again, but we're going to look at it in just a little bit different light because here's what he lays out for us. 1 Corinthians 7, 33, he says, but married man has to think of his earthly responsibilities, how to please his wife. That's what I get to do. 
My responsibilities, my earthly responsibilities, you're married, guess what your job is? You're the head of the house, yep, but look what it says right here. Your responsibility is to how to please your wife. His interests are divided in the same way a woman who is no longer married, has never been married, can be devoted to the Lord in body and spirit, but a married woman, you're married, then what's your job? Has to think about her earthly responsibilities, how to please her husband. It's serving one another. It's not a you serve me, I do my thing. It's I serve you, and that's what it's meant to be. It's meant to be that a husband is the head of the house, and he is actively laying down his life for his wife. So easily that she's like, yep, he's the head, and he looks out for me. The decisions that he makes, even when I disagree, I know that he's putting me, the family, first. We discuss them together because he's not an island. I need Becca. She sees things that I do not see. She said, well, what about this? I'm not, I think this is a good idea to do. And she's like, what did you think about this, this, and this? And I'm like, no. <laughs> Didn't even know those existed. She's like, well, we should talk about it. It's like, Yeah. I need what she sees. We're different. We approach things differently. But as husbands, we serve. My, that's what it is, how to please my wife. And so it's easy for her to submit and be like, okay, we disagree, but he wants to do that because over and over he makes decisions not to serve himself but to serve the family and to serve me. So we work together on what we do. We're united in vision we know where we're going. We're serving God with all of our heart, soul, and mind. We're raising a family. We have a vision for our family. We know what, it's, what we're going to do. We're going to serve God with all that we have. Our marriage is going to be an example because we're going to love one another. And we're going to bring as many people to heaven with us as we possibly can. And so we go at that together when we disagree on things. Very rarely in in. In the practical sense of it, very rarely am I like, well, no, we're just not doing that. And it, it's, it's so rare that it's almost a joke in our house because I'll be like, I'll lift up my foot and I'll be like, do I have to put my foot down on this one? Like, like is, this, is this kind of it? And we joke about it because most of the time we agree, we know where we're going and we go there together. Like, this is, this is it. But what I hope is, is my role my job is how I can please her. So number one, it's I'm going to pursue God. And then number two is how can I please my wife? And then after that, it's my family. But kids are going to come and kids are going to go. Your spouse is not. So take care of your spouse. Kids can be so demanding, different stages, all stages, every stage. You're like, well, the stage will change and it'll get easier. No, it'll just get different. It'll just get different. Well, they'll be older, they won't. And then finally, they leave. Absolutely. My parents are like, great, you guys are gone. And then they kept showing back up. And they just laugh. And they just had to put a sign on the house door after we all left. Like, just knock. You can come anytime. Just knock because the house is empty. We don't want you to see. Just, just knock. <laughs> We're like, sounds good. Sounds good. I knock really loud really loud. But it's just going to change. But our interest is to be for the other, that marriage is to be an example of, of servanthood, that we serve each other, not looking out for our own interests, but for the interests of the other. What, and so often, the, when, I, when I say this, people say, 
They're like, well, what if, what if she treats me like a doormat? Or what, what if he just walks all over me? He might. He might. She might walk all over me as I try to serve her, but you know what I'm going to do? I believe with all of my heart that the best way to love her and to get her to love me is not to like yell at her. I don't think, I've tried, it doesn't work. No, I haven't really tried. That's a lie. I don't really yell. But I get stern, but I don't yell. But it doesn't work. You want your wife to love you? Oh my goodness, tell her everything she's doing wrong every time you see her and just watch how she lights up when you enter the room. It doesn't work. It's not going to work. Instead, decide, I'm going to serve. And yeah, they might walk all over you, or you might just open the door so wide that they see that you care about her more than hanging out with your friends or, or, or getting that new toy or whatever it is that you're laying down your life and you're serving your wife, and she's like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. I trust you in this. Okay, yep, let's do this together. She's going to give you her input whether you ask for it or not, but you need it. You absolutely need it, so take it. I'm like, okay, well, let's look at this together and go there together as we serve one another. That is it. God's way is best. God's way is the absolute best. It gets the very best results out of everything that we do if we do it God's way. But that means we need to serve one another. The world paints this picture. It says that the way to, to happiness in a relationship is individual freedom. You need to, don't, don't get lost. Like you, you still need your time and you need to be doing your thing. And well, this is, this is I, I need some me time. I, I need to be able to do this. I'm a little overwhelmed and, and I, need, I need just some of my own this. And, and God's like, get lost in one another. It's two becoming one. Not two that stay two that kind of like hang out together and share a house and co own some bills. It's like, it's to become one. The goal is to get lost and to lose yourself in that as you serve that other person. Anything with two heads is a monster. There's a head. But that, here's what that means, husbands, that you die first. That you lay down your life first. And if, you, if we do it God's way, I believe that we'll get the very best results that we can possibly get. His goal for marriage is his goal for us in life. He says, I came to give you life and life to the fullest. Marriage is meant to be fun. And I know it can be scary. When we're, we're in grooves, when we're used to things, when we say, well, I've tried before and it didn't work. I was nice for two whole hours and nothing changed. Sometimes I'm serious that you try and you're like, I tried my very best and they did not notice. You can do it. You can do it God's way. And here's what I don't want you to do. I don't want you to leave here and be like, man, my spouse needed that. I want you to just think about you and think, what can I do? Am I serving my husband? Am I serving my, my wife the way that God wants me to? Don't think about them. Think about you. What can you do I believe with all of my heart, his way is best. Maybe it's time for you to step up and lead spiritually in your home. You want to start leading anywhere? You're the man of the house, but you haven't been leading? Lead spiritually. 
be in your word. You pray. You pray together. You speak life over your family and your wife, your home, your career, your job. And you begin to lead there. That's where you begin. Don't, don't worry about the other one. But you just look at yourself. You pray. You said, God, what can I do? What area am I not serving in? Because that's what we get to do. We get to serve the other. That's what we're going to do over these next few weeks. We're going to go through and we're going to look at what God designed marriage to be. And what I hope is this, that you're here every single week, that you don't just decide, well, it's okay, you know. We've, what I do not want is any, any marriage, any of you, to just say, well, we're, we're good at not being great, and that's good enough. But to decide, like, no, I'm going to stir things up. I'm going to do everything that I can to make my marriage amazing amazing. I want an amazing marriage. I want it to be great and that you decide that you're going to do everything you can. Don't worry about your spouse. Worry about you. That you pray to God, what, what do I need to do? How can I serve my husband or my wife like I never have before? Where am I missing it? And you ask God. If you say, you know what? God really doesn't speak to me or I have a hard time hearing him. Then ask your wife, ask your husband, they'll tell you. They'll give you some advice as well. That'd be a good idea either way. When you say, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to serve because God's way is best. And we're going to see some marriages grow, get stronger. Some weak ones completely turn around, stuff on the rocks. Just end up on a solid foundation instead and move into all that God has for you. With that, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I want to close service, but before I do... I never want to assume that just because you're here, you know where you stand with God. I don't want to assume that just because you're here, that means that you've given your life to Christ, that your heart is right. Because here's what I know. We are not guaranteed tomorrow. And I want to give any and everybody that can hear my voice right now the opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of their life, to leave here knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt where they stand with God and begin to walk out a relationship with him. Because God made you, he designed you, he loves you so much that he sent his son to pay the price that you could not pay so that you could be free. Free from your guilt, free from the shame, free from your sin, begin to walk out a relationship with him. So if that's you, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're in this room online, wherever you are, and say, today I want to give my life to God, or you're, you're hearing like, today I need to give my life back to him because I've been doing my own thing, but today I want to go all in for God. I want to give him everything that I am. If you're either of those, I'd love the honor of praying with you right where you sit, right where you sit. If that's you, get ready. You're going to lift your hand up high, not halfway, all the way up. I'm going to count to three, and we're going to put it up, and then we're going to pray right together in your seat. When we say amen, you're going to know right where you stand with God. Get ready. One, two, three, all the way up right now. Say, that's me, and today is my day. Awesome. Awesome. All right, hands down. Here's what I want us to do. Online, in the room, wherever you are, let's all pray out loud with those that lifted their hands. So just repeat after me and those that lifted your hands. As you say these words, you make them in your own. You say them from your heart. Let's pray together now. Say, Jesus, all together, say, Jesus, forgive me and make me new. I believe that you died. You shed your blood for me. Forgive me and make me new. I'm going to live for you 
from now on. With all that I am, I choose you. Come rule and reign in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.